This recording is a production of Faith Builders. This presentation was recorded at REACH 2013, a conservative Anabaptist ministry convention hosted by Faith Builders on March 14 and 15, 2013. Let's do begin with word of prayer. Father, thank you for your grace. And what an encouragement to, to see men, women, who have committed themselves to you, to your purposes, and to your plan. And I thank you especially for this opportunity to share with each other about what it means to walk with integrity, uh, to be leaders, uh, to be godly men, godly women, and uh, give us much grace in these days, and I pray that you be present here and teach us. pray it in Christ. Amen. Yes, uh, assume you've read some of the titling here and all of that type of thing. A personal leadership disciplines is the is what's in focus here. And um, hmm, not sure if I'm the person to talk about this or not, but I, I can uh, share with you a few things I've learned over the years. And I hope to have a little space here for for uh, you to talk. In fact, this would be great for it to be interactive. If at any point did you, you really feel uh, inspired or moved to say something, just raise your hand. Uh, I've taught school for many years, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with, uh, I hope, uh, reasonably familiar with good interaction. Any other handouts here? Anybody need a handout? So um, I, w- I want you to be uh, very free to interact. Now, uh, a disclaimer here right to begin with. You're not going to see a lot in here about such things as prayer and meditation, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, that's not because I don't think it's important. It's uh, simply because I, I have some assumptions coming here. And uh, I, I, rather than be religiously platitudinous, I would just as well give you a couple of things I've learned over the years that have been helpful to me. I uh, certainly do not view myself as an outstanding example here, but just, just uh, a few things have been helpful, and I'd like to share this with you. So I've tried to be really, uh, what shall I say, practical uh, about how this actually works, or at least what's worked for me reasonably well. Just reading the intro there, the public pers- persona of a leader is one thing. His personal and private habits of life are another the workshop addresses the personal and private disciplines that contribute to successful leadership in the marketplace. And of particular interest are those life habits that result in sustainable leadership over the long haul. Now, on that first uh, comment there, the, or the first line, the public persona is one thing, the personal private life is another. You have one advantage here this morning. Mrs. Lehman is sitting back here in the corner, and she can, die, die, she can verify. She, can, she knows more about me than any other person. I can't lie to you this morning <laughs> because she'll, she'll know. Uh, but it does emphasize the point here. We can easily, at least if you're very practiced at this, you can, you can maintain a public image uh, for at least a short period of time. That's not what this discussion is about. We've had enough of that. (laughs) What this is about is what actually happens in your private life because uh, it ties in well with what I said this morning uh, in the the public meeting, and that is what 
you see of me here today is a bit of an outcropping of my personal life habits. And uh, likewise, you don't have to be around a person really long until you begin. Uh, that, that all begins to emerge. Yeah, you, can't, uh, you, you can't hide what happens privately long. A great verse in the Bible. When you pray, enter your closet and pray to your Father, which is in secret. That's private. I, I like the end of it. And we sometimes, we don't focus on it, but it's, it says something that's very clear. Um, because if you pray to your father, which is in secret, your father will reward you, what's the last word? Okay. Openly. <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is homework done in private has a public expression. Uh, and I'm saying that the people that I know who are the, f- the finest people, the people I really love, is what you see is what you get. Uh, it, it, it's, they simply, publicly or pr- privately, they're really quite the same person. Uh, it, it just, or shall I say it this way, their public life is really just an, ex- an ex- extension of what's happening privately. And what's privately is typic- typically much, much deeper than what you actually see publicly. So just want to say that to begin with. Um, secondly, there I just have three sources this morning that I'm using. Uh, the first one is the Bible. And the second one is, I, I, I struggle a little bit here what to put down here because, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment, but I thought to myself, rather than give you a whole list, I tried to pick out the ones that had been the most influential in my experience and the most helpful, okay? I'd head it up with the Bible. Secondly is the seven habits of highly effective people. I don't know if you've read these, uh, this series or not. Uh, here's my disclaimer. Covey is, uh, I'm sorry, he was. He died here just, uh, I think, a year or two ago, uh, is Mormon. Uh, so if you read his books, you won't read anything in there about Mormonism at all. He, he, do, he doesn't talk about those. Uh, but the, what he presents is uh, what he calls some, the seven habits of highly effective people, Mormon or not, I just will say, of the books I have read on leadership, he probably offers the clearest uh, stuff that you're going to find. <laughs> he writes several other books, too, that are really worth reading. Uh, so I just say that for what it's worth, making sure you understand that, that he does write from a Mormon. Uh, actually, he doesn't write from a Mormon perspective. He is Mormon, but uh, you, you would never know he's Mormon by the time you get finished reading his books. And the third one is the one that I use uh, actually in the, in the class, Life and Leadership for Men at Faith Builders. Um, and so uh, you're, you're kind of getting a, a condensed version of uh, much of that here in about 40 minutes or something like that. And uh, that book is Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's written by Hughes. Uh, yeah, Kent Hughes, I believe is his name. Uh, the books are downstairs at, uh, at the FB display down there. You're, you're welcome to walk by and, and uh, peruse them if you care to. Three pictures that I want you to hold on to that I think uh, I found helpful for me to, to remember. The first one is a bridge. And I have the terms there, ideals to habits. I, 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 it was Covey who uh, prompted me on this one. If I know it is so, so true. He says, the difficulty with people, whether it's leadership or wherever it is, it's not with their ideals. It's with their habits. And he goes on to say that I have been all around the world giving seminars all of his life. 
And he talks about that a bit, and then he says, and what really troubles me (laughs) is after I've done all my teachings here, all my seminars, done all of that, the fact of the matter is whether it's a business that I'm trying to help get back on the road or uh, uh, giving something on uh, highly effective people or whatever, the percentage of people who can actually cross the bridge from ideal to habit of life is so small. It is so small. And the fact of the matter is, if, if you could just do this one thing, you will be an effective leader. If you can just get across the bridge <laughs> from what your ideals are to, what, to your habits of life, actually what you do in the moment-by-moment, day-by-day routines of life, that's where, it's, that's where the rubber hits the road. Um, in, in discipleship, it's the same thing, I find. It's, it's, uh, you know, you can preach and you can teach and you can twist arms and you can do whatever, but it's, the question is, the person you're discipling, can you actually walk them across the bridge so that it moves from ideal to actually habit of life? This is, this is the way I live. <laughs> uh, in effective discipleship programs, that's really all they do. They, they, they walk them across the bridge. Voice camp uh, thing here that was just offered is essentially the same thing. Walk them across the bridge. In fact, I'm astounded at at how even very very ungodly people typically have the right ideals. I worked in a prison ministry back in Chambersburg for uh, 15 years, uh, and that's where I got my education. By the way, <laughs> it was a good education. It was uh, one of the best you can get. Uh, and you know what astounded me over and over? You could go into the prisons there, and you could talk to these, to these uh, gentlemen. That sometimes they were dads, and sometimes they would talk about their dads. There was almost never a dad who would take his son and say to his son, okay, I'm going to tell you how to live life. Go out and smoke as many cigarettes as you can, take as many drugs as you can, and drink all the alcohol you possibly can, and, and you know, you'll be well on the road. Even ungodly men never say that. They have the right ideals for parenting. They offer neither example or bridge <laughs> to get from to get that little boy who is growing up, who is his son, to get him from there over across the bridge. And hence, I, I just want you to hold that in your mind as we talk here. Uh, even after I'm done talking here for a couple of minutes, it's like, well, maybe you'll be inspired. I hope you are. But I know where the hard work is at. Yeah, the hard work is tomorrow morning, maybe even today yet. I don't know. I just know that that's where it's at. And it, the real value of what's said here is whether that bridge is actually crossed. So uh, the first thing I want you to remember when you leave here and when you even think about this, this situation here at all is a bridge and from ideals to habits <laughs> because that's it. That's key. Second thing here that I – oh, by the way, this is against laziness. <laughs> if you think about it, what is at the core of laziness? It is simply the inability to get up and get doing what you know has to be done or should be done. And that's about it. <laughs> Whether it's the alarm clock that goes off in the morning and you just can't get yourself out of bed or whatever it is, I just put that all under one lump sum called laziness, uh, and that w- which, which interpreted means I can't get past <laughs> what I know to do, and what actually gets done. Okay, secondly, a clock. 
Yeah, now this is the one that if you talk to Mrs. Lehman, she's going to say three cheers for what he said. <laughs> and God help him to get with it. <laughs> a clock. Um, and what's the clock for? Well, there's a right place and a right time to do right things. And the problem with many, many, many people is they just do things when they feel like it. When they feel like it. Okay, well, the whole world does that. It doesn't take any grace. It doesn't take anything. It takes no power whatsoever to do that, <laughs> to do just what you feel like doing. Uh, and and uh, so when it comes down to, to, to habits of life, I remember a clock. There's a right place and a right time to do everything. And uh, perhaps I'll say more about that uh, later. But this is against procrastination, putting the job off. Uh, you can take anybody who, who's an expert in this field and they'll tell you this. Uh, the way to do this is at the beginning of the day, list the events and the, the things that need to happen. Put the most difficult ones first. And do them first. You would be amazed at what happens to your day. If you actually do that, because I, I, <laughs> I'd hate to tell you how many days that I put it off, put it off, put it off. And all day it nags me. It does not matter what I'm doing. It just nags at me because I know that still has to be done. Well, why not just nail that one right to begin with? <laughs> Get it out of the way so it can enjoy the rest of the day. Now, I know sometimes that's impossible. But anyway, this one is against procrastination. The third one is a compass, a bridge, a clock, a compass. A compass means a step in the right direction. And, of course, here the key is right direction. There are many people doing many things. But there are few people doing the right things at the right time, at the right place, in the right direction. And uh, that's, I, you know, I could actually sit down shut up. And from here on, if you could do, if you could take those three <laughs> And, and actually to start to work them out in your life, it's, they're, they're the key issues right there uh, for, for good, solid personal leadership uh, is the bridge, the clock, the compass. Um, so if you can hang on to those, that'll be good. And notice that this is against meaninglessness. Uh, that is... I mean, our, the problem for many of us is you get at the end of the day and you say, now, what was the worth of that? Whatever that was. <laughs> uh, well, why do I end the day that way? I end, that day that, I end the day that way simply because I had no compass at the beginning of the day that gave me direction for it, what actually should happen, what should take place. And, and so a lot of good things happen, and I certainly don't want to be disparaging here. There's nothing perfect about any of these. I, you, you, again, you could ask Mrs. Lehman, and uh, there are many, many days, plenty of days, that uh, none of this ha seemed to work very well. I don't know. I either lost my fridge or clock or compass or something, and, and uh, the days seem to go nowhere. So I'm not talking about a perfectionism here. I'm talking about the general things that we build into our lives and we think about that really sets us it, shall we say, sets us apart as leaders in our generation. And they tend, to be, they tend to be fairly simple things, really. Simple but profound and difficult to pull off. <laughs> Maybe is the way I said it, or the way I'd want to say it.
And I commented this morning that the truth is in the nuances. And, and that really, for some reason, we always want to cut down the big thing in our life and somehow, oh, that'll solve it all now. It really is the addition of many, many, many pieces that somehow fall into the categories we're talking about here. Maybe you have a comment here that you'd like to make. While I check the time. Okay. Now, I put some pieces in here that I know I really do not have time to to look at here, but I put them in here so that uh, you have them to look at. So the next section on your handout, again, this comes from Life and Leadership for Men that we offer their faith builders. When I teach that, yes? Sure. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, there actually are some facts and figures on this, and I don't have them. I just write at my fingertips right now, but uh, d- d- uh, they'll tell you. Uh, somebody have that? Uh, s- say again? Three weeks. Three weeks. I think that, that, that something like that strikes me as one that, uh, that uh, fits in here. Uh, how long did – I'd ask a counter question. How long does it take to lose a habit? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> One day, <laughs> up here. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe a comment I have there is habits need to be maintained. Okay, or, or they, they, they do get lost. Myron? Michael, which one do I have here? Myron, okay. Hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Alan. Yep. There you go. Got it. Every day for a month. There you go. Uh-huh. Very good. Uh, well said. Uh, let's say it this way. It takes work uh, and some determination to get there. Uh, uh, and that's why, you, you know, I'm not, this isn't a parenting session, but that's why I, I, parents, for crying out loud, pass that gift on. Uh, the gifts that we're talking about here, I was just fortunate to have been handed them. <laughs> when I say handed them, taught them and trained in a lot of different ways by a man with just an eighth grade education. So, and there's a, this is multifaceted here. What am I doing personally? How am I affecting the people around me? Uh, one to 12 there, as I was saying, are leadership precepts that we pull from the book of Nehemiah. When I, when I teach this at uh, Faith Builders, we walk through the book of Nehemiah and we, we pull out of it uh, some, some concepts and some ideas. And I, it would... Just what well, doesn't really quite fit into this, uh, the categories here, but I would encourage you to get time to think through those and uh, perhaps look at them. I will look at, at just briefly at number six. Organization is the first lieutenant of effective administration. Okay. I know that we somehow we have uh, grown accustomed to think positively about the uh, the Google-eyed, inventive somebody who kind of 
lazy around most of the day and they do this and they do that and somehow or another at the end of the day they I don't know maybe they, they paint a picture of uh, some art that brings a hundred thousand dollars or whatever and we are we are inspired well I'm not <laughs> God bless him for the skill or whatever I don't want to give credit where credit's due but that's not what we're talking about here uh, this, the world in life and culture turns on the axles of organization and, and uh, uh, keeping life put together reasonably well. And I, I don't, there may be exceptions. If there are exceptions, they are anomalies, and they are not the patterns to follow. Uh, the patterns to follow the people who have really made a difference over the long haul are people who know something about organization. Uh, it's an organization of time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I could tell you a story on this one. Uh, I, I needed some help on this one. I still need some help. Again, Sheila will say amen. <laughs> uh, but uh, in general, the, the, uh, uh, learn how to organize life without being overwhelmed with just even the process of organization. What do I mean? There is such a thing as over-organization. It's seldom the problem, but it is sometimes. Uh, okay, take computers, if I can just d d pull technology, if I can just pull a very practical thing in for us today. What has been very helpful to me is to be remain firmly task-oriented. Okay? Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, I have spent lots of time just making sure I know how to use it, use it well. Why? They work for me. They actually help me organize. I, we are on the right track when we are in a couple young men here. There's way too much time and energy dissipated on computers that are totally worthless. Not only are they worthless, but they dissipate. Okay, they, they work against you. I, take video habits. We've been talking about habits. I, I agree very much. They're, they're, I don't see a point in making an absolute rule well, I do see a point. I mean, there's some places that might be the, the, the thing to do, say that absolutely there shall be no videos. But I do see, I, 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 this is a habit <laughs> that people develop that ruins them. It absolutely ruins them. It does not work for them. It works against them. <laughs> okay, and so my encouragement here on this issue of organization is develop habits that help you to organize and be task-oriented toward life. And I just gave you one little little arena here. Uh, I believe in doing things and doing them well, but the, the, the problem is is sometimes we're working at doing things well that are they're worthless. They don't work for you. Dear brother's a doctor back home today. Now, I can't, I can't help but tell you this story. I taught school with him for a while. while. And this is on the other side now. Be careful of over-organization, trying to get too much machinery to try to make the things work. Uh, I, I taught with me. I had him as a student, and then he taught with me. And uh, <laughs> one evening, I was going to church at uh, where my wife grew up at the Roman and I church, and I was supposed to lead singing. So I, I went to the. Uh, oh, I forgot. Here's organization. I forgot my pitch bike. So oh, oh I, I know where there's one. Uh, I, over at the school, we both taught together. So I go into the school and open the. I knew exactly where to look. Man, this guy had his drawers organized, all that stuff, you know, and he had all of his. Pitch pipe right here, and I got the thing out. I'll put it back. He'll never know it, which it wouldn't have mattered if he did. But anyway, so I got it out, went over, did it my thing, came back, put it back in nice and gently. And 
pushed the drawer shut, went home, came back to school the next morning. <laughs> Walked in, and uh, Mr. Joe Yeager says to me, some of you may know him, he lives right up here at 11, and he's a doctor, says to me, he says, hmm, somebody had my pitch pipe. <laughs> hmm, I said they did. Now how, but how would you know that? He said, when I put my pitch pipe in my drawer, I always put the key of C at 12 o'clock. <laughs> He's a good doctor. You need to go to him. <laughs> I just threw up my hand, so well, I give up. <laughs> but I do know organization works for you. And over-organization is seldom a problem. Maybe you've got some uh, comments here. Back of the... Uh, yes. What do you think of a digital organization that has a chance Yeah, I, I do. Uh, a, a digital organization is great organization. Here again... <laughs> uh, learn how to use, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, uh, the thing there in Microsoft where you pull up all your folders and you can move stuff back and forth. What's the name of that? No, you all know it better. That's uh, the real fundamental thing. Uh, Explorer. Explorer. Yeah, Windows Explorer. Uh, okay, here again, what, what I, I got frustrated because, now where did I put what? Did I name it correctly? So that when I actually start searching for this thing, I can find it. Or, uh, so my advice on digital organization is to, to develop a system that actually works so that you can find what you, what you need to find when you need to find it. Oh, I, like a little, whatchamacallit, drives me crazy. Can't help but tell you a little short story there. Uh, uh, again, Sheila bought me a little, a little uh, uh, scheduler, one, a little digital schedule, scheduler, and uh, I used, I tried to use that thing. I never could get it onto the habit. This still works the best for me. <laughs> I'm not putting it on people. I'm not saying, but for me, I, it doesn't. The digital scheduling doesn't work, but this does. Thank God. <laughs> I, I don't. Don't take that as anything. I know some people. In fact, if Ryan Zook was here right now, who is my fellow pastor uh, in, at uh, Meadville, he would, he'd be back here smirking, I know. He keeps my life put together, and he, he keeps it together with a little digital thing that uh, makes sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be at the right time, <laughs> at the right place. So I'm not downing it all. It's a, there's a, but learn to make that thing work for you, not against you. That's, if you're hearing me right, there's various ways of doing this, but be a comment. Yes. Okay, well, now there you go. Now, just to make a, a case here. An hour and 45 minutes, it may well be worth your time. Okay, there you go. So you, you hear a testimony on it. See, I don't have an issue with that. It's like, okay, tell me where the condensed versions are of information that I can find fast and use. Okay. <laughs> if it's an hour and 45 minutes and it's good, I, hey, I'll, I'll take it in. 
Good. How are we doing for time? Um, okay, if you'll, at the, on the back of the page then is the uh, general outline of from Disciplines of a Godly Man. And now this particular text uh, would focus more on the disciplines I'm not paying a lot of attention to this morning, and that is like your spiritual disciplines. If you look at the list there, it's relationships, soul, character, and ministry. And, uh, and uh, use basically walks down through those and, and gives the, the basic foundational stuff uh, that every godly man has to have reasonably in place. And uh, you can see them there as they're laid out, uh, purity, marriage, fatherhood, friendship, under relationships, and so on. I don't think I'll take the time to go down through them. It's a book worth reading, written by an evangelical, and, of course, a piece or so in there, a couple of stories or illustrations I wouldn't agree with, but uh, the, the advice is very good. So, but I do want you to see the categories there. If you're thinking about principles, or, yeah, principles of personal leadership, Think about the relationships. And then, of course, the soul, and there he's talking about mind, devotion, prayer, and worship, character, and then how does it actually work itself out in ministry? Okay, I think I'll leave that. And if you turn the page into page three, I, here I, I sketched this out because here's, I, I return to this one, to the seven habits of highly effective people personally a lot of times. I just go back to it, and I'll underscore for you the, one, the ones that I have found very, very, very powerful. I, he, Covey, uh, some of this is my stuff. I took his general principles and added a couple of ideas to them, but uh, I, they, they really are strong, I think. Uh, I, he calls them, uh, first category there is private victory. And then from four through six, he calls them, public victory, and from, or he calls for public victory, and the seventh one, sharpen the saw, is renewal. How do you keep it alive, so to speak? And, uh, and I found these just really, really, really powerful in general. The ones that I would offer as the two that have been the most powerful in my life are two and three. Begin with the end in mind. Uh, is is a principle that is present in every person who has been very successful. Begin with the end in mind. This takes a great deal of doing. Uh, there's too many beginnings. We haven't looked down the road far enough and ask ourselves, okay, well, where's this headed? What's going to be the result here? And so... Uh, Covey says, develop a personal mission statement. I'm not real big on that, but I understand the value of it. And this should be by design. Where I'm headed should be by, des- be by design rather than default. And then number three I added there, uh, to begin with the end in, map, uh, end in mind, you need a map, a compass, and a candle. Uh, the map is the Bible, first and foremost. And uh, I, I see no way around it. I don't think there should be a way around it. Be a student of the book. Uh, it's very, very important. But as everybody knows, it's not really quite enough to know what the book says. Uh, a compass means, so what, what, so what direction are we headed here? Or 
Uh, you might even call this interpretation. Like a good friend of mine said, you can, uh, you can justify anything from the Bible. You can even justify not splitting wood. Because, as God has said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. <laughs> out of context, out of mind, you, uh, you, can, uh, you can make it say anything. So you need a compass. And uh, you need a candle. Uh, I, I used to do some flying when I was a young man, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I was just a young fellow, 16 years old, taking a little bit of uh, instruction about how to fly an airplane. My instructor took me up. Uh, it was at nighttime. And uh, when he took us up, pow, all of a sudden he shot out all the lights. Now he'd been telling me all along, bring a flashlight. You, when you fly at night, always take a flashlight. I don't know if he knew I didn't have one or what, but anyway, we get up there, pow, out went the lights. I don't know if you're any pilots here or not, but I'll tell you one thing. Is it ever dark inside of an airplane when all the lights go out? <laughs> you can't read a compass. You might have one, but you can't see it. Uh, you, you have all this stuff there, but you can't see it. <laughs> and it's not helpful at all. Okay? You need a candle. Uh, this, of course, is the Holy Spirit. Okay, and that is you, you need that inward sense. This is right. This is what I should do. This is the right direction. Uh, and, and here, I can't give you help beyond that. Except to say, there is a map. There are compasses. And you need a candle. Because there will be times when it's so dark in your life that you, you can't, it's, it's hard to read the compass. It's hard to see it. And uh, we, we pilots call that flying by the seat of your pants in. It's like uh, you, you feel it, which way, you know, which way it's going. And, and uh, of course, they also teach you not to depend on your feelings either. But uh, anyway, I'm just saying that that's all there. But begin with the end of, in mind. All of that needs to be there. Uh, how do you do this? Well, you know, one of the most remarkable things that I don't, you know, I shouldn't say most remarkable, but I remember just when Sheila and I first got married. I thought, well, you know, the way to do this, why don't I go and ask the 70-year-olders that I know, if they had life to do differently, what would they do? Or if they were raising children again, what would they do differently? So I went around, asked a couple of them, and they came back, and this is what they said. I, they didn't come back, but in short, the, 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 the one that they repeated the most often was, I would spend more time with my children, and, and I remember specifically one of the men, almost with tears, saying, if my child brought me a book, I would always put him on my knee and read it to him. Now, that, I, I wondered if there shouldn't be a little bit of a grain of salt in there, but uh, that, there probably is a time not to. I said, okay, well, you know what? If we're going to have children, and we did, and we're going to begin with the end in mind, if that's what those men say now, pay attention. Melvin, pay attention. <laughs> Get those books out and read them to it. And I, 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 My wife joined me in that. She has a she has a library of books that she has collected from uh, all over the place. Uh, children's stories, uh, it has to be a classic collection that she gathered together. So spend the money to buy the book. Uh, anyway, begin with the end in mind. Uh, it's too late after this child was 25 years old and gone. Begin now is the point. And the third one there, or principle three, is put first things first. I already commented on this one just a little bit, but it's, uh, I, this one is so important. You know, I, I can say with integrity, I never, was, I never would have counted myself a rebel. 
Now, we're all rebels against God at some level. I know that. But what I mean by that is it never was in my heart to rebel against my dad. I, I, my dad was a good man. He treated me well. He disciplined me thoroughly. Uh, uh, but it never occurred to me that he didn't love me or anything like that. Okay, so I, I didn't rebel against my church. A bigger issue for me was, was prioritization. What's first? And we talk. Our talk is pretty good. God's first. Well, but is he? <laughs> but first things first. I've heard, and I've done it myself, I've heard dads use this thing conveniently. Okay, how? Well, they're supposed to, somebody calls him and there's a church project going on. Some, well, you know, I haven't been with the family for a while. Family's first for me. Can't go. Ask that question at a different time. And think about that. You know, the, the real issues of life are when the, when the, where the rubber hits the road, where it's really critical. Ask my wife if it, family is first. I've learned something, and that is, it was really hard for me to do this. I, 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 I tend to be a person, if you ask me to do something, I'll say, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I have it just always it seemed to me as though the person who understood me the best was Mrs. Lehman, and she's the one who would understand. You want to hand your wife a, a real blessing sometime? Somebody calls, and they want you to do this, that, or the other thing. You say, no, nope, I have plans. What are those plans? Uh, you, you don't say so. The plans are, I'm taking my wife out for supper tonight, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. She takes precedence over. Now, I know you can't do that all the time. But I wonder sometimes if we really are honest with this. Put first things first. <laughs> if you can just get the, There's way too many things to do in this world that are totally legitimate and right and good. But I'm telling you, for you, there are some things that should come first. <laughs> they should be at the top of the list. And that's what you do first. And then if you have space left over to do some other good things, well, then do them. You can see their capacity to say no, personal organization. And uh, what's been helpful for me is to create a value-based schedule. Life in the end, to me, turns out to be a question of what I do with values and how I, how I really, talking about ideals to habits, how my habits really do underscore or provide the foundation for what I say is the most important in life. So we're back to habits. Okay? Um, there are a few others here that are very, very, very good that uh, we could talk about uh, in public victory, think win-win, not in competition. It was somebody talking to us earlier in the day about that. We have just a few minutes left here. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Develop the skill of listening for understanding. Think before you speak. Be trustworthy. That's a big one. Synergize, number six on the last one, I found to be very, very helpful. Principles of creative cooperation. One plus one equals three or more. That's what synergize means. I'm a teacher and I teach physics now and then. You know the, the, uh, what we call laser, uh, laser beams. Uh, are really synergized beams, and that is you, you, you get all the light, all the wavelengths in that system to, to be reinforcing each other instead of being scattered. And they become very, very powerful, way beyond their, their individual power. 
And to, to synergize doesn't mean we just compensate and tolerate and put up with. It means we actually take our differences, and if, they, if they're synergized, one plus one, differences. In fact, put one minus one there. should have did that. Equals three. And I, when I'm talking about this at school, I, I start to use uh, my wife again as an example. When we, when we pack, there's somebody in our household that's how to pack. I won't tell you which one it is, but, uh, but you can guess. Uh, and and uh, it, it's better to, to let her take responsibility for that than uh, we, our, our trips uh, are, they increase in their pleasure exponentially. If we, <laughs> if we pay attention to, to our differences, take our roles and do those, this is powerful in churches. Rather than fuss and fume over the differences, start thinking about how you can actually make them hit each other. And instead of being a zero, they turn out to, they, they turn out to multiply exponentially. Now, I realize it's a very easy thing to say that, and I realize it's a very difficult thing to, to do. Been there, done that. And some, most of the time, have lost on it. But I, my my aim is to to get the synergism, energy that really comes from. I, this would be revolutionary, revolutionary in our churches, if we would think about, if we would start asking the question, not asking the question, how can we separate peaceably, but how can we synergize? How can we actually use these differences to create a greater energy that would have been possible? separately that's an assignment for you it's a very very difficult thing but i i I guess i'm foolish enough to believe it can happen finally is renewal and this one i just wanted to say a little bit about this one disciplines of personal leadership five years ago i had a near collapse when i say a near collapse i I did not have a uh, uh what do they call it, the, uh, the classic uh, mental breakdown or, or whatever. I didn't have that. I, I, it would have been more like a classic burnout. Okay, it was just, I mean, all of a sudden, I just, <laughs> uh, now, those of you who know me probably didn't have hardly visibly know it. My wife would have. And, uh, you know, I, made, I did some backtracking, did a couple of different things, adjusted a few things. Uh, but I want to, to tell you a couple of things I think are very, very important. Number one is physical there. Exercise, nutrition, stress management, and rest. Not bragging or complaining. You'll see they'll try to keep my stomach down. It's a reason for that. I'm not chucking stones at anybody, but I'm telling you, physical health is a blessing. And you, I, it might sound like it's of the flesh, but I'm telling you, pay attention to your physical health. <laughs> that includes the last one. Rest. There's nothing holy about sleeping four hours a night and going on and on and on and doing your job only halfway. There's nothing holy about that at all. It's far more holy to get the rest that you need. I already said something against laziness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about adequate rest to do the job that God has called you to do. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. I lived for years on six hours of sleep thought it was the most wonderful thing ever, but it almost took me down. I've upped that to seven hours. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 got, it's got to be seven hours. If I start to fall under that average, I, I soon start to fall apart. Then it is of God for me to sleep seven hours a night. 
I think it is. Uh, the right nutrition, the right food. Mental reading, envisioning, planning, writing, these are, these are all things that are renewing. Uh, reading, I just encourage you. However, on the reading thing, if I can just say this quickly, some people think I read a lot. I actually do not. I, well, I do read a lot, but what I do is I pick the books that I'm going to read very carefully. There's too much trash read, okay? That's junk. <laughs> uh, my encouragement here is select some outstanding books, and there are lists that you can pick up at various places. It'll help you with this if you don't know. And then really what I do is, and I find a book that is really good, I'll read it three or four times, okay? Uh, it, it just really, really master that one. Far better to limit your reading to really good reading than just simply to read so broadly that you that really about 50% of it is fluff or whatever. Uh, it, it, a lot better to be very strict in your reading habits. And I'm out of time. The last point there is a compelling saga. And I, I what is that? That's a story. Uh, and renewal, it's the stories that renew. And I'm known as a storyteller, I know. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Life, its habits, its experiences rest in story. They really do. I, I've seen this repeatedly. Uh, I've seen people who do very poorly in public presentation, public persona, but they have such a compelling story. It would ma- their own personal life is so powerful <laughs> that when they tell the story, you're impre- when, they, when they start talking, you're impressed, even if they, they're, they're, their grammar is terrible and their organization is terrible and all that stuff, it's still, you're, you're just, your heart's warm. <laughs> and, and so uh, my encouragement here is tell good stories. In fact, I always said there's two things that will kind of mark you. The stories you tell and the heroes you have. Let me know the stories you tell and the heroes you have, and I know know an awful lot about you just right like that. (laughs) Which obviously means take care with the stories, take care with the heroes. And I need to finish right there. Sorry I don't have space here for much discussion. But uh, maybe it, it is 11.46, two minutes here. You have, uh, what feedback comments do you have here? Yes, sir. Uh, not really too hard. <laughs> uh, i tell you what, I'll give you my email address. Bump, uh, bump an email my way, and I'd be glad to. MB, M is in Melvin, B is in Burkholder. That's my middle name, Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N. MBLayman at FBEP.org. FBEP.org. I'd be glad to send you some information on that. Other questions, comments? Okay, thank you. There you go. Uh huh. Thank you very much for that uh, affirmation on that. Other comments? How do you form a value-based schedule? You actually, the very practical way to do this is to, you know, I don't do this on a daily basis much, but on a longer-term basis, make a list of the things I want to happen this year. Okay, just actually write it down, uh, 1 through 15 or whatever it is, and then ask myself the question, which of these 
are must. They have to happen. They're, 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 there's no alternative. They've got to happen. <laughs> okay, check them off. Uh, but almost more importantly, ask myself the question, which one of these will be the most valuable in the long term? Long-term investments are always better than short-term investments. <laughs> and, and make some differentiation on that. Uh, we do this at Faith Builders periodically, and I'd recommend it to you. Have somebody else and look over the list. See if they agree. Because sometimes our perception is not right. That's quick in a nutshell. This recording and many others are available through Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders Educational Programs. Order online at www.christianlearning.org or call 877 222 4769.